Namaste. Prayers and meditations. और आज हम लोग जो प्रार्थना पढ़ेंगे वो फेब्ररी 9, 1914. Today we are going to read the prayer of February 9th, 1914. As always, the Divine Mother gives us hope. Hope not only for just some faithful few followers. In fact, if we think about faithful few followers, then even the few word may be too many. Because who can really follow the Divine? Who can really love the Divine? Who can really be faithful to the Divine? Mother has spoken of faithfulness is a great quality. But she has come for the whole creation. She speaks of, O thou for whom I cherish a cult beyond limits. So if it is a cult, then we can say, this is not a cult which is like a closed cult. Some people say it is a cult. Well, if it is a cult, then it is a cult beyond limits. Anyone can come. There is nothing required, not even as much as having this belief or that belief, uh, this practice or that practice. Whoever seeks her help, it is available to all human beings upon earth and in creation. So this prayer, as always, gives us a prayer of hope. February 9, 1914 Whatever may be the names they give thee, O Lord, the elite of humanity athirst for an absolute ardently seek thee. So she is right in the beginning, removing the biggest cobweb that has captured the mind of humanity in today's time and that is the cobweb of religion. Yes, religion which is meant to be a wonderful, beautiful approach to the divine has been stopped short of its true purpose, even diverted from its original purpose. into fanaticism fundamentalisms cultism every religion trying to proclaim that the god whom i call as god my god so they all say god is greatest but which god my god and by my god means the god as i define the god whom i name so we see this tendency and it is so sad because religion has been one of the most beautiful approaches the religious sense in man and yet we are nearing an age as the mother says very clearly norovil chartered she mentions also that no more religions now no more religions doesn't mean a fall back to a secular intellectual ideology it means the age of religions is over we have to graduate further it's like when you finish higher secondary course then you enter into graduation and post graduation so out of religion we must enter into the age of spirituality just as out of spirituality we will enter into the age of supramentality if i may use the word so similarly she speaks of whatever name it doesn't matter in every religion there are people or even those who don't have a religion but they are seeking the absolute they may not even believe in god but they want to go to the truth they may not use the word god but they may use the word truth doesn't matter they may use the word perfection like in oroville we know in the 
Orville Charter, Russian said we want to join in but we don't uh, believe in God. So, you know, that time communist socialist Russia, she said, okay, do you believe in perfection, in human progress? Yes. So you can replace the word divine with the word perfection. So in whatever way human beings are seeking the absolute, they are actually seeking the. That means even science, anywhere, wherever there is a seeking to find the ultimate mystery. Equally, whenever, whether it be science, religion, ideology, when we stop at a point and say that we have arrived and we seek no further, then we change everything into a cult, we change everything into a belief system. So there can be a cult of science, a cult built around ideologies like Marxism and uh, communism and rationalism. Uh, there can be just as there can be cult around limited religions. But wherever there is a seeking, there is a seeking for the divine. So she says, ultimately, and then she goes on to reveal to us how. Even those who seem to move farthest away from thee, even in matter, when people are digging inside matter to discover, you know, we have lovely story in Ramayana which can be understood in another way. Why was Ravana after Sita? Somewhere he realized she is the ultimate power, the divine mother. So he is after that power, only his means, he wants to forcibly possess that power. But this power cannot come if we force it because there is no power, no force that can actually arrive at that. The only way we can receive is by surrendering ourselves completely. But there also, if we want to acquire and possess a power, it goes away. It is only as we surrender ourselves and give ourselves that this power can start working in us. And that is to, uh, we can say, the great consummation of our life. But if we want to possess as the Asuras do, we know the story of Mahisasur. He wants to marry uh, Mother Durga. And what does Mother Durga say? She doesn't say no. She says, okay, come and marry me. But let us first see whether you are powerful enough to marry me. So he comes and actually fights. And in the end he is annihilated. So there are only two ways that we can uh, receive this power. One is the way of Asura, the way of the ego in which we get annihilated. And the second is the way of the Bhakta, the way of the God-like way where we surrender ourselves. In which case also whatever ego or egoism is there will get annihilated. But the difference is that the asura is absorbed back into that power. Whereas the God-like becomes an instrument and a channel. So she says even those who move farthest away from thee. Even those who are solely occupied with themselves. What a uh, you know wonderful way of describing what has moved farthest away. The, after all, what is an asura? If you look at it from one point of view, acute egoism, that acute sense of separation from everything else, a being living only for oneself. Oh, uh, you know, in one of the aphorisms, Sherwinder says that there are two sins which I find uh, the worst. So we would wonder what are those two sins. We know about the seven sins, this and that. And he says, selfishness and meanness. But then he says, these are also universal and therefore must be pardoned. So selfishness, a person living only for oneself, occupied only about oneself, my food, my family, uh, my happiness, my wealth, uh, how much I have gathered. And you know, uh, Sri Krishna reveals this in the Gita when he says, speaks of the Asuri Sampada, the wealth of the Asura. 
So what are the thoughts of the Asura? This much I have benefited today, tomorrow I will benefit this much more. Like people who are always monitoring the rates of the share market. This much I have accumulated, tomorrow I will accumulate more. This enemy of mine I have defeated, tomorrow I will defeat another enemy. So ultimately the thoughts centered around I. But even there she says that even those who are solely occupied with themselves, are they not seeking an absolute in sensation an absolute of satisfaction and in spite of its vanity that seeking also can one day lead towards thee because one day they will realize that we can be satiated but not satisfied that is how Shubhinda reveals in the life divine we see a humanity satiated but not satisfied seeking to return to its primeval longings which are God, light, freedom, immortality uh, another poem where Sri speaks uh, like this um, The splendors of the surface never sate For life and mind and their glory and debate Are the slow prelude to a vaster theme A preface to the epic supreme So yet even those who are seeking the satisfaction through sensations Which means through food, through uh, looking good uh, all the vanity of things which we, you know, or hearing their praises, misuse of ears, misuse of eyes, uh, wanting to look good, to look upon the world with lustful eyes that I must possess this and that, uh, whose tongue is full of greed. So even they who are seeking in an absolute of sensation, ultimately they are wanting the ultimate satisfaction. But one day, in spite of this vanity, they will be on the right road towards seeking thee because the time will come as came in the life of Anguli Mal as came in the life of Jagai Madhai and number of Asuras that they will realize that it cannot be this way and one day they will turn towards thee why they would turn? thou art too much in the center in the heart of everything for even the worst egoisms themselves not to be transformed by the into aspirations. Why? Because when we talk about I, 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 me in an egoistic sense, then what is happening? We are drawing towards the center. But in the center, behind the ego, who is there? The divine. He is waiting. A time will come when this ego hardened and crystallized by too much of thoughts concentrated around it. And that moment the divine uses when we are feeling stifled inside this ego shell and he bursts it open and he changes it all into an aspiration for the divine. The only thing which must be feared and shunned is the inertia of inconscience, of blind and heavy ignorance. So what is dangerous is not this kind of a uh, running here and there, seeking satisfaction of sensation, this is still okay. What is worst is to be too self-satisfied with oneself. To be in a state of inertia. You know, in the name of simplicity, we uh, begin to, okay, I already know the traditionalist, the conventionalist who are too satisfied with whatever they have received from their parents and their parents and grandparents and coming through parampara. Now, all these things where we are too satisfied and therefore in a state of inertia of inconscience, there is no further seeking. That's why it's sometimes so difficult for people with too much traditional mindset to turn towards Sri Because Sri brings something totally new. 
of course the tradition things are there but they are uplifted into their true value and not as we you know have understood by convention and uh, ritual and society and every divine being has done it buddha did it shri krishna did it christ did it every divine being has released the truth behind the tradition but we hold on to those things and hence we don't progress because we want to be stuck in the same old pattern of so many fasting so many uh, typical ritualistic practices and we do not want to move further so she says that is the only thing which is frightening where there is no seeking but a seeking even an incomplete imperfect vain glorious seeking is better than being too self satisfied this is what she is revealing to us that state is quite at the nethermost of the infinite ladder which leads to the the state of dark satisfaction this state of satisfaction with one's ignorance it is ignorance is understandable but a seeking ignorance is perfectly fine but an arrogant ignorance which is too satisfied with itself and there is no further seeking in it is a dangerous condition to be in and all the effort consists in drawing the substance from this first obscurity so as to make it be born into consciousness and this state of unconsciousness is not good uh so what the divine does it begins to draw this substance out of this state of torpor and inconscience how does it do he do it he first awakens passion he first awakens desire that is why desire and even pain its counterpart pain so desire and pain come together desire awakens the need to move to stir it is rajas is better than tamogun but when the rajas comes it gives pain it shows the limitations of seeking in this way and then we go towards satgun satgun again becomes self satisfied and has a tendency to go towards tamas but again in satgun a time comes when we develop it that a hand comes from above and takes us even out of sat into the pure spiritual consciousness so this is the ladder so when people are in the state of inertia then passion comes passion itself is preferable to inconscience so we see the famous story of swami vivekananda it takes a very beautiful meaning so a lot of people used to come to join the monastery that we want to become monks many people come just to lead an easy life because you know it's it's you don't have to grapple with the real challenges of the real world out there so one of the youngsters came maybe in his teens um, and asked um, swami ji that i want to take up sanyas i want to renounce the world so swami ji asked him that what do you have with you that you will renounce so he didn't understand the question so he said before renouncing you must have something which you can renounce so and the advice he gave him was go back earn 1 lakh rupees then come back and renounce then you realize that is where renunciation and tyaga has the power and the energy otherwise when there is nothing with us uh, that we can renounce of course we are not talking here of the spiritual renunciation which is about renunciation of ego renunciation of desires but many times this renunciation becomes an excuse for an easy life so easy life means a life without progress a life without aspiration life without seeking because there is a comfort zone the mother speaks of this even in the context of the ashram she says very often uh, i used to meet people they said yes we want to uh, aspire but 
the conditions of life are such that we are so busy and uh, you know we are so busy maintaining the structure of just the framework of life food and uh, earning money etc that we have no time to seek the she says besides the fact that it is not true still in the middle of a life she says what is normally called as the middle I had an occasion and an opportunity to do this experiment. So she created this wonderful space for spiritual seeking, where all that we seek for our subsistence, what is known as roti kapda makan, uh, you know, food problem is taken care of. There is a decent space to stay, uh, to live, and uh, the clothes uh, these are taken care of. There is prosperity through which we get these basic necessities. Uh, so she says that. Uh, okay now everything is there let people seek the divine but she says my experience has been on the contrary that because there is too much freedom people become licentious because everything is provided they stop aspiring uh, this is in reference to a question it's there in a collected works uh, that a disciple says that when i uh, we are in the outside conditions of the world we see a deep aspiration climbing from within but when we come why is it that we don't seek with that much ardor so one reason that she gives is this because everything is provided that's why we understand why this world is so full of difficulties because when there is no difficulty we remember god uh, but in a very ritualistic way as if we are paying a debt but when difficulties and challenges come that is the time we begin to remember the divine with the greater ardor so this state where one goes into a state of blind satisfaction is worse she says passion itself is preferable to inconscience rajogun is better than tamogun we must therefore constantly march to the conquest of this universal bedrock of inconscience what really is mastery it's about mastering this state of inertia inertia takes place in many ways there are people who often say uh, i see this you know with regard to all india magazine taking out shobindu's writing so very often uh, i hear this cry oh shobindu is very difficult well that is why we should read him if he is difficult what are we here for especially if you want to take this great path let us read him let us make the effort to understand this thought Uh, Shobindu uses the word thought phobia. He says to the readers of the Arya that one uh, thing in India which has led to its downfall is thought phobia, uh, and he says this specifically with regard to his writings. People don't want to think; they don't want to make any effort. They have become lazy. And see, he gives the example of the ancient rishis. Our ancient forefathers, the rishi, swam in seas of thought towards the. unknowable but we have become completely thought phobia some standard things from here and there even spiritual literature we don't read as it is we read from some newspaper cuttings from some speaking tree column here and there rather than going to the original truth we are afraid as if of thought this one kind of laziness similarly in life uh, our heart likes to be cabined within the comfort zone of the family swajan priyajan so often when people ask this question how is your family so i i personally don't know what to answer because uh, the whole world is one family uh, it's not just a family means uh, a limited number of people you have them fine but you live in a consciousness where the whole world is one family how can you limit and restrict it but we we find it very comforting and a comfort zone and then it goes on to groups of mankind where people who speak the same language who come from my state they become 
our own and people who are other than who don't follow our traditions customs and culture we call them as oh these people as if they are somebody else so we like to be in this comfort zones of the heart there are comfort zones of the life limited strivings limited achievements uh, meaning thereby just uh, having a good job earning money retiring and being satisfied the bourgeois ideal now this we have to break free from this is inertia so inertia is not just lying down and sleeping uh, of course there is the also the physical inertia that does not want to make an effort um, so all these at all levels inertia must go let there be at least some seeking even a passion is better than uh, this state of inconscience so she says that we must therefore constantly march to the conquest of this universal bedrock of inconscience and making our organism the instrument transform it little by little into luminous consciousness this is the work of works the work is not just outwardly doing things uh, like a monkey well that's a preparation the real work is that inside within me i should get over this inconscience and bring some illumination she gives a very wonderful example and we can take countless examples uh, for example she says when you pick up things now uh, you should develop consciousness in your hand that when you pick up you pick up the right number of things even without weighing so this is one example of developing consciousness in the hands there is another example for example when we uh, deal with this uh, crisis situation uh, we have started seeing instead of the divine everywhere we have started seeing the invisible virus everywhere so this is a beautiful opportunity to practice what we have read to be fearless to really conquer this fear which comes from in conscience to completely trust the divine and entirely entrust into the hands of the divine we can wear a mask because it's a requirement by the uh, statutory requirement we can do whatever we want to do because we must follow the rule of the law by no means we should break that but at the same time let us be in inside our heads and our hearts be cleared of all fear this is a wonderful opportunity to conquer all fear all anxiety all agitation and each of such conquest is really a victory of the divine over matter this is the work and she says how we can conquer it we become the instrument this organism become the instrument and by your illumination so how to conquer fear by learning to trust the divine that behind every appearance there is the divine and then she closes with this wonderful line oh lord sweet master of love thou whom i see so living so conscious in all i adore thee with a limitless devotion there is no limits this idea that the divine specially favors a group of people who have turned in a certain sectarian way this idea that the divine gives special attention to people who believe in him in a particular religion all this must go in the age that is dawning upon man we must learn to see him everywhere and in everything just you know the same bhav comes in the next prayer quickly we'll read and then come back to this prayer this next prayer is february 10th 1914 with peace in the heart and light in the mind we feel thee o lord so living in us that we await events with serenity knowing that thy ways everywhere since we carry it in our being 
and that in all circumstances we can be heralds of thy word and servant of thy work this one prayer is enough to liberate us from all fear where is the divine found in which monastery which temple which mosque which gurudwara which ashram everywhere where can we practice the yoga as the mother said to someone who asked he says mother said the world is everywhere and the divine is everywhere so we can practice the yoga everywhere and we can be heralds and instruments of the divine everywhere why because we carry him within our own being what a wonderful truth we all know and the mother is revealing to us this once again with a calm and pure devotion we salute thee and we recognize thee as the only reality of our being then we are not worried when will this epidemic end when will that end when will this come to an end we wait with serenity this is surrender knowing that thy way is everywhere all events every day is a beautiful day when like radha we can offer to the divine not looking at oh what has happened today let's only look at the divine and not at appearances so we come back to this prayer and read it february 9th 1914 whatever may be the names they give thee o lord the elite of humanity at thirst for an absolute ardently seek thee even those who seem to move farthest away from thee even those who are solely occupied with themselves are they not seeking an absolute insensation an absolute of satisfaction and in spite of its vanity that seeking also can one day lead towards thee thou art too much in the center in the heart of everything for even the worst egoisms themselves not to be transformed by thee into aspirations the only thing which must be feared and shunned is the inertia of inconscience of blind and heavy ignorance that state is quite at the nethermost of the infinite ladder which leads to thee and all thy effort consists in drawing the substance from this first obscurity so as to make it be born into consciousness passion itself is preferable to inconscience we must therefore constantly march to the conquest of this universal bedrock of inconscience and making our organism the instrument transform it little by little into luminous consciousness o lord sweet master of love thou whom i see so living so conscious in all 
I adore thee with a limitless devotion. And the prayer of February 10th, 1914 With peace in the heart and light in the mind We feel thee O Lord, so living in us that we await events with serenity, knowing that thy way is everywhere. Since we carry it in our being and that in all circumstances we can be heralds of thy word and servant of thy work, with a calm and pure devotion, we salute Thee and we recognize Thee as the only reality of our being. Namaste. Namaste.